Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The DFS Studio is brought to you by DraftKings. The Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, boys and girls. Friday, September 15th. We're back on the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew. He's drowning in his Mark Andrews tears, Betts. Oh my gosh, dude. I need him to play. I need him to play so badly for best ball, for dynasty, for the redraft shares. And look, man, I ended this season just hyped about some Lamar, Mark Andrews stacks. We're going to talk about that game. We still don't know if he's going to play, but uh, I need some Mark Andrews in my life and I need a full practice sooner than later, please. We're talking practice here. Just practice. Like that's all we need. And I'm wearing my Lamar Mark Andrews NFL Jam shirt just to give the good vibes somewhere out there I love for this because it. it's it's bad, man. Like I, I see people in the streets, in the Twitter streets saying like, is this, the, I mean, is this going to be a lost season with Darren Waller? And I feel like so far, if I could summarize the NFL this year, it is you delivering bad news to us every single week as an injury expert. That is pretty accurate. And will be the case probably every NFL season because that's how it goes. But it does feel like this year, um, just you know, at the at the start of the season with end of training camp and preseason, right into week one, like the names that we're talking about, right? It's like these first round picks and these guys that you took in the top twenty, top twenty four picks of almost every format, you know, are dealing with something. So yeah, unless you uh, came out of your redraft league with Tyree Kill, you're sort of. Uh, left either questioning what's happening or you're just hoping for better things ahead, which I think there are better days ahead for uh, Jamar Chases of the world. And hopefully when Cooper Cup comes back healthy, Mark Andrews, those guys. So we'll see. That is the beauty of DFS is that we get to start all over every single week with a fresh slate. Everybody's on the same exact page, right? Like you get the same salary, you get to figure out what to do. And there's different players. Like there's no Tyreek on this slate that we're, we're going to be talking about. So uh, we're getting you prepped for week two on this show. We will give our cash picks, talk about the games that we want to stack. And just a little heads up, this week has a ton, a ton of low games. I mean, a ton of games, eight total on the NFL slate that are under 40 and a half total points. That's pretty rough. And then we'll hit some props that we like this week. So yeah, you can get our cash picks, our official ones. They're live in DraftKings, FanDuel. They're on the site in the DFS Pass Use the promo code DFSPOD because we just had a new article that just came out. It's Marvin Eloquin's expected fantasy points model. And when I was putting my article together for FanDuel, one of the things I did is I, I, I know the snap counts. I know most of the usage last week, but it's like, it's one thing to remember those things and then to see like, okay, this person was out on the field. Like Josh Jacobs was the dude for the Raiders last week. And it just didn't work out like it, just the way that the, the game flow was. So it's super important to remove a lot of our biases or remove one tweet that you saw and look at these fantasy points. So that's one of the new articles in there. Anything else you want to throw out there, bets about the DFS pass? I mean, I just, I want to jump in real quick on that article. Marv is the dude. Marv is the man. He's great at what he does. And we talked about on Tuesday, that's our vibes show, right? Here we are with our spreadsheets and numbers. I mean, this thing is literally spreadsheets and telling you who overperformed, who underperformed. And really like, I think that's still one of the ways to be very good at fantasy football is identifying what is likely to regress to the mean, who underperformed, and where can we see a bounce back spot coming. You talked about Josh Jacobs. Number one on that list for running backs this week is Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, and, and the Raiders are dealing with a little bit of wide receiver injury issues. So just point people to that article. Check it out. I do think Josh Jacobs could potentially be in for a very big week. Yeah, we have some great articles that, to me, help fill in part of the puzzle. It doesn't mean that's the only thing you use, but like when you start to see, okay, the salary makes sense. The matchup makes sense. Their roster percentage is low. 
They're a buy low. Like you can look at all those things. And as we get more information throughout the season, you're going to see like, okay, well, this player is due. You know, Julio Jones was always that player. It's like, okay, the yards are piling up and the touchdowns are going to happen. Just keep in mind with stats. And, you know, I'm going to go nerd out for a second. When you get week one numbers, we have one piece of information and a lot of players, things don't stabilize. So I don't really look at a dot at all because one throw is going to skew because this player had what four targets. So it didn't really matter what their, what their ADOT is to me yet. It will stabilize, you know, as we get later on in the season, completion percentage, one game, we're going to, we're going to be able to move on. I mean, that's it true. Does of any data, matter. Right? The, the bigger the sample size we get, the better yes. our numbers will be over the course of the season. So yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to take it as fact after one week, but I think there's still some signal to it to some degree. Yeah. Like for instance, the chargers, we didn't see a ton of downfield passing. Like we saw a lot with Justin Herbert it was like, man, these are still around the line of scrimmage. They're short. Um, his intermediate throws, like I wanted to see more of those. So those are the things that you can look at. But in our DFS pass, we get to give lots of great tools, lots of great picks. So go to DFSPass.com if you want to get in on that and then use the promo code DFSPod. Let's talk about those cash picks. Straight cash, homie. Has your attitude about this slate in terms of cash changed from Tuesday to when people are hearing this on Friday. I mean, I started looking at the slate and I had those initial vibes, right? I built a cash lineup on just vibes alone. And 80% of those guys aren't in my cash lineup right now. <laughs> well, we're still getting information as the week goes on. So make sure you're plugged into uh, practice reports and things like that. Cause there are a lot of moving parts on this slate that we need to be mindful of. So the best way to make sure you get our like, last and kind of final good advice is that best plays article comes out on Saturdays because we still need to get some information. But yeah, I do think uh, some of the guys that we talked about on Tuesday are very much still in play for me, but there are, like you said, a bunch on this list that uh, I didn't really think about initially, but when we ran the numbers and, and, you know, looked at the matchups and stuff, this is kind of where I settled as a Friday. It's also fun. If you don't realize this, when you're building a cash lineup, you cannot use last week's strategy to copy and paste last week. We said there's some cheap running backs that the field was going after. You know, Mostert, Brian Robinson, Jamal Williams. I feel like it's flipped this week where the running backs, the expensive ones, seem like the better plays. And there's a couple of high-priced wide receivers, but I'm not planning on jamming in three studs this week like you could last week with Chase, Tyreek, and Justin Jefferson. So just from a strategy standpoint, I think at quarterback, you can do one of two things. I'm either going to be paying up for Josh Allen on DraftKings at 79 or going down to Anthony Richardson. And then the only other quarterback I have in my cash pool right now is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I think for me, I'm out of Mahomes and cash. Just the salary, you know, is is really the issue. 8.3K, you're not getting any discount. And we're still not sure that Travis Kelsey's 100%, which I, I do think he's trying to play. But I mean, obviously, if he's out, you can't play Mahomes and cash. Um, and if he's in, it's still very expensive. But like, I want to jam in CMC. I want to play one of these 7K wide receivers that we're going to talk about. And if it gets very difficult to do that for Mahomes, if, if you do go that route, it is the best game total on the slate as far as the game environment. So I'll probably have some exposure in tournaments. But I think for cash, I'm with you. I am down to Josh Allen or Anthony Richardson, which there's a big price difference. So it's basically, do you want to pay up for, I guess, perceived safety with Allen? Or do you take a one-week sample size? We played uh, Anthony Richardson last week. The dude ran. But what I'm most in encouraged about, he, he led the NFL, by the way, in design rush attempts in his first game as a rookie. You love to see that. So we know that's going to stay. Um, I'm here for Shane Steichen, ladies and gentlemen. They were top five in pace, top five in neutral pass rate with a rookie quarterback in his first start. I mean, we talked all off summer or all summer about, you know, uh, the the Chargers and Kellen Moore is like our new analytics hero. Are we are we now turning to Shane Steichen as our, our fantasy football nerdum takes us there as the guy that's going to give us ceiling games from Anthony Richardson? I'm I'm all for it. I like Steichen a lot. And, you know, we saw him with Herbert. We saw him with Hertz. See him with Anthony Richardson. Yeah. The design runs is what I care about. That's what we didn't see in Justin Fields in week one. But when you get design runs, like scrambles are going to happen when the play breaks down but you can't always predict how many of those you're going to get in a game. You know, 10 total rush attempts is amazing. 6.3. So you're saving $1,600 from Josh Allen to Anthony Richardson. The game environment sucks. Like, yes, <laughs> I, I don't love that. I don't love Zach Moss. Um, that's the only thing that scares me off. And then I'm also, there's a little bit of FOMO. I'm not a FOMO guy, but like 
Am I ever going to get Josh Allen below 8K again? I I don't know. Like, and he's usually one of those players that he has the get right spots and then he just explodes. So I like paying up. So those are the only two I'm considering. On FanDuel, Patrick Mahomes is cheaper than Josh Allen, which surprised me in their pricing. So I don't mind going Mahomes there if you want to do it on FanDuel. But uh, any last thoughts on quarterback? Because those it's kind of those two. Yeah, those those are the two that I'll be looking at. And truthfully, it's going to come down to how much salary relief we get. We're going to talk about running backs in a minute. Like if we get Josh Kelly with no Eckler, then maybe um, you know Josh Allen becomes more playable. If we get uh, Jaden Reed, if there's again no Christian Watson, maybe no uh, Aaron Jones. If you get like a Jaden Reed type, a Luke Musgrave, those guys that are down at you know around three K, like then it becomes more feasible. But the way I'm building right now as of a Friday is Eileen Richardson for the salary savings because, like I said, I really want to get up, get up to uh, you know CMC, Calvin Ridley types this week. Those guys are in phenomenal spots. At running back, CMC is somebody we didn't play in week one, not because we didn't like, he was just expensive and we liked the wide receiver ceiling, but he was awesome. He's 8.9 on DraftKings and he just projects so well. Like I I can't poke holes if somebody wants to build their lineup and say, hey, I'm going to save with Anthony Richardson and pay up to CMC and maybe get one other stud wide receiver. I think you can do that this week. So for me, I like CMC and I like Saquon a lot in the the elite tier. Yeah, I, I'm with you on CMC. I mean, 8900, he is getting expensive, but taking on the Rams in a game where they've got one of the best team implied totals on the slate. We talked about it with Jason on the Dynasty show. Like historically, San Fran rolls over uh, over LA, and I just saw actually um, on on X today that there is a report that apparently San Francisco 49er fans have over 65% of the tickets purchased for this game. So it is a, quote, road game that will be a home game for San Fran <laughs> in this spot. Um, but just to speak to the numbers, man, like 85% of the snaps last week and 25 touches. He had over 80% of San Francisco's running back total volume. Like Elijah Mitchell was not a factor. And we know he's going to carry the football, but also contribute in the passing game. So you get that sort of workload. I mean, it's just unreal what, what McCaffrey can do. So I have no qualms with anyone wants to pay up at 8.9 for CMC. Yeah, and Saquon's 8K on the road against Arizona. It's a good matchup. We know that team wants to run the ball. So I think he's in the elite tier of players we like. If you want to go down a little bit further in the 7K range, Tony Pollard looks awesome. And he looks like he's the dude. That's all we care about. They're at home. And do you see the where the line is right now? It's at nine and a half. As of this record, I mean, it's like I did the my spreadsheets, you know, I was just crunching the numbers on Monday night just to pre- prepare for the so like the look ahead lines and before the Rogers injury. All right. This was a three point game. OK. And then, of course, everything shifts and the Jets team apply total is just doo doo now. It's at 14 points. So Tony Pollard at home is a huge, huge favorite. I don't think you can do run. Do you? So between Saquon and Tony P. Do you have a certain lean between those two? Um, I think I lean Tony Pollard just because I think, like you said, the spot is pretty awesome. You know, at home, they are favored by, I think uh, Saquon and the Giants are favored by four and a half points, but they are favored by nine and a half or <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys at home. You could, I mean, with Zach Wilson, you could just see so many short fields, right? Turnovers, they're having to punt a bunch, stuff like that. Um, and po- Pollard very quietly, like, if you watch any of that game, it was not a game after what, like the first quarter. But if you did keep watching, like when they got into the five yard line, it was not Rico Dowdle. It was every single time Tony Pollard. So he's getting the high value touches um, and we like him to score a lot in this matchup. So, yeah, I think both those guys are good to me. I feel like you have to probably go down to somewhere in this 5K range to be able to fit the guys that you talked about or CMC. So it seems like one of those kind of not stars and scrubs builds at running back, but like a higher tier guy and like a mid to low tier guy is probably what it's looking like this week. So I'm getting a lot of Rashad White on my timeline because Ugh. I posted, I posted a, you know, beautiful, beautiful spreadsheet that just said, hey, he was pass blocking more than any other guy this past week. His snaps look awesome, but uh, it was yeah, beginning of the thread. Yeah, beginning. That was dude. That was a nice thread. I don't like being clowned on for being a thread bro because I'm not a thread guy. I'm not. <laughs> oh, I'm yes, not, you are. Yes, I'm not are. farming for engagement, but I do think it is a good way for me to... Because, guys, let me pull Jason Moore here. Here's the reality. Bets and I, for a living, write articles. Spend a lot of time doing the research. I could 
tweet out like fart, 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 and people will retweet that a thousand <laughs> times. But I give a like a really long 15 minute article and it's like, I don't know if people are going to read that in the same way because of how much people like it. So sometimes I break up my articles into tweets. You should try that sometime. The fart, fart, fart tweet. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, that thing is just going just gonna to go. If Jason did that, if Jason wrote fart, 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 that would get thousands of likes. Yeah, just how, it 100, it's how the 100%. algo works. It, it would. Speaking of farts, uh, Rashad White <laughs> was it's not good. abysmal last week. I mean, literally like hard to watch. 17 carries for 39 yards. Now, is the offensive line good? No, we saw it a bunch last year. The numbers were basically the same from an efficiency standpoint for White and Leonard Fournette last year. I don't think he's very good. But man, we chase volume in cash games. He's 5.5K. He's taken on the Bears. The Bears just let Jordan Love, Aaron Jones, and the boys run all over him for 5.5 yards per play. That was one of the worst marks in football in week one. It's a much easier spot. If he's getting 16, 17, 18 touches, he saw 19 touches last week. It's hard not to play it in cash. I get it. I'm not excited about it. I will not be playing him in tournaments. But I think if you're looking for like the puzzle pieces that fit together and you need projectable volume, Rashad White makes a lot of sense, and it's so uninspiring. <laughs> yeah. If it was a different name running back that is priced for that, I would be into it. Damian Pierce is only $100 more, and he's kind of interesting to me on FanDuel, at least. Uh, he's only 6 k there. So on FanDuel, I think he's a better play. Yeah, that's a good tag. You're not... Yeah. So I want players in this range because they work for cash. Right. I also can find so many routes, so that's why they're priced that way. Dave Montgomery's 5.8. Ken Walker's 5.8. Any interest in those guys? I think I prefer Montgomery to Ken Walker, just given that they're favored and they're at home. And, you know, we're going to talk about that game environment and that game uh, total and kind of the the big picture for tournaments. But the bottom line is Dave Montgomery, you know, we think J- Jameer Gibbs is going to work in for more touches, but he played 27% of the snaps last week. Is he getting two more touches this week? Three more? Five more? We don't really know, but like... Dave Montgomery carried the ball 21 times last week. Even if you give Gibbs, let's say, four or five more touches, like I feel like Montgomery's a pretty safe bet for 15-plus touches in this spot at home where historically the Lions play very well. The offensive line is great. They've got one of the highest team implied totals on the slate, 26.5 points for Detroit. So I think it all lines up pretty well for Montgomery. Um, and the price tag, right? 5.8 is, is very palatable. So in that awesome, awesome, we'll call it a thread, uh, I did say this about Dave Montgomery. He saw 55, 55 snaps to Jameer Gibbs 19. Sounds awesome. But nine of those were pass blocking and 19 routes, zero targets. Like that's that's concerning for a player that we know can catch the ball. He did in Chicago, and I think he can catch the ball on this team too. So I don't think it quite is that extreme in terms of snaps and that extreme of him not catching a you know two or three balls, whatever. But um yeah, it's it's concerning. Last week was gross, and he fell in the end zone. So yeah, it was like what three point five a carry or something like that. It was it was not good. Uh, last name I want to mention as of this recording, Austin Eckler is not practicing. Josh Kelly is five K. If you knew Austin Eckler was out, okay, and, we, and I, I hate doing this on a recording because news changes and deal with it, people. You don't know everything when you get to record. I just hate it because it's like. I can't tell everything. So if Josh Kelly is out, I mean, sorry. If Eckler's out. He should be out. He should be out of the league. I thought Josh Kelly would have been out of the league last year. If Eckler's out, Josh Kelly at 5K against yeah, he's the Titans. In. He's in. Uh, it's the same play last week as Jamal Williams, right? Where it's like, you can't, you don't have to squint. If Eckler's out, you don't have to squint hard to see 15 plus touches. The dude just saw 16 carries with Eckler in the lineup last week. Now, I don't think the Chargers are always going to be that run heavy. That's certainly not in the DNA of the team, but they were efficient. The offensive line played well. And with no Eckler, you could also see a little bit more receiving work for Kelly too. So yeah, at 5k, I don't think you think twice about it would be a pretty interesting fade in tournaments given the tough matchup. But again, in cash games where you care about volume and at 5k, if he's getting you 15 to 20 touches with no Eckler, I think you just close your eyes and and you plug them in. It was funny when I was watching that game, Isaiah Spiller, they like cut to him on the sideline and was he active? No, he was inactive. That was the thing. He was just in like street clothes. And Brandon Staley came out and said like, uh, we just felt like it'd be better if we went with someone else. I was like, oh man, Isaiah Spiller has just fallen. He's just fallen to like, is he going to be in the league next year? So at wide receiver, Jamar Chase is in my lineup. 
and he's not coming out. I'm just going to tell you right now. 7.9K against the Ravens. I've talked about his splits. He's awesome. Amon Ra, uh, I looked at the stat because, you know, I've been talking about him for years. Did you know Amon Ra? I don't know if you've heard this or watched him recently, Bets, but he's good. Over his last 21 games, that's like when he started that stretch as a rookie like at the end of the year. Last 21 games, he's seen eight plus targets in 20 of those games. Sounds like a pretty good cash game play. <laughs> it's 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 really great. So Amon Ra, Jamar Chase are my favorite of the expensive options. And then if you want to drop down Calvin Ridley, I feel like he's going to be your dude this year. I mean, we'll see. If they, if they don't price him up aggressively enough, he will be. And he's not priced where he should be. I mean, no wide receiver had a better role in week one. And now he gets the best game environment on the slate against Mahomes, who might get Kelsey back, which will elevate the entire game environment, you know, as a whole. Uh, 51 and a half point total. Like it's, it's all right there. 97% of the routes, 34% target share, 42% air yard share for Mr. Ridley. He was the alpha and they looked at him, you know, a bunch of first read targets as well. So yeah, Calvin Ridley, if you can't fit Chase and I'm on our St. Brown, I don't think you should feel bad about having to drop down to Calvin Ridley. Yeah. I also love Zay Jones's tag at 4.7. Like if you don't want to play Calvin Ridley and you're saying, Hey, I want to play Chase and Monroe and I want to get another Jaguars wide receiver. Like he's the dude. He was in on the most snaps, Jaguars wide receivers, saw 50% of the team's red zone targets. So he's good there. FanDuel, he's at 6.3. I'm fine with both of those. But let's say that you are trying to figure out the middle tier. I think the biggest question this week is what do you do with Puka, who is now 4.9, which is like, guys, it is so rare for people to increase $1,000 in price, but to increase almost $2,000 in price in one week is wild. So Puka 4.9, I feel like he's going to be a popular cash play. Yeah, it just depends on the the opportunities that we get as far as different salary saving options. But as it stands, I think he's totally fine. I mean, it feels dirty to play someone that they go up that much in salary when they're a rookie and they played one game. But they are seven and a half point underdogs taking on San Francisco. And look, we've seen a lot of Van Jefferson. He's fine, right? But he's not good. Tutu Atwell fine he's not that good like they have to feature puka nakua don't they i mean there's no other choice with no cooper cup tyler higby's out there running his like five yard curl routes i mean they have to in this spot if they actually want to move the football i don't think they're going to have a ton of success with karen williams and cam Akers against this front seven so i think stafford's gonna to have to air it out so yeah i think if at you know 4.9 he's totally fine 15 targets last week i don't think he's getting that but like he's gonna get eight probably right i mean that seems like a pretty solid play yeah. Puka, puka, puka. Um, the cheap dudes, okay? If you need a cheap play this week, all right? Marvin Mims is probably not going to be your play after he burned you last week. Jaden Reed is 3.4 against the Falcons. If you knew that Christian Watson's out, makes a lot of sense. I just want to throw out Michael Wilson of the Cardinals at 3.3. He tied for the team lead in routes run. Gross. These are the cheapies. Give me the cheapies, guys. So I mean, of those two guys, I would play Jaden Reed every time. Um, <laughs> truthfully, uh, just because I'm very concerned about Josh Dobbs, we'll talk about it later. But you know, what? Th- we just—I know, shocker. We just got news uh, that confirms Thursday's practice reports: no Aaron Jones, no Christian Watson, both hamstring injuries. So I think there's a very good chance uh, both of them sit. I think we're guaranteed one of them sits, most likely Christian Watson at least. So I think Jaden Reed's fine. 3.4K taking on Atlanta. Um, he was tied with Romeo Dobbs in routes run to lead the team last week as far as the wide receivers. So five targets, six targets at that price tag, you're fine. You don't just walk into Atlanta, okay? The Mercedes-Benz Dome and get a win, okay? So Jaden Reed, you're on notice, okay? <laughs> uh, Jeremy, a.k.a. Al Borland of the main show, and I have a little little wager, Packers and Packers and the uh, Oh, just straight Falcons, up who so. wins? Yeah. Oh. Just, I mean, the, I think it, the line's pretty close, so I think it was minus one last time. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it's basically a pick em. Interesting. Yeah. Um, here's why I don't like Jaden Reed, because I like Luke Musgrave so much this week. Right. And I'm obviously not playing both. Luke Musgrave for the Packers. I like rookie tight ends this week, which uh, I didn't think I'd be saying, but here we are. 3.2K, Dalton Kincaid, 3.3. Luke Musgrave, last week, 24 routes run. Team only asked him to pass block twice, and he had some deep routes, like, he did look like a baby giraffe, like just kind of flailing out there, falling over um, one time where it's like, dude, you could have gotten the end zone. But deep routes, what I care about, he's on the field. And uh, Dalton Kincaid was on the field a ton, 38 routes run, 
That is tied for the most for a rookie wide receiver in week one since uh, TJ Hawkinson over the last decade. So rookie tight ends, I'm probably going to be punting away. Yeah, especially if they're, I mean, we'll, we'll see on Kelsey, but I, I just don't think you can go there and cash given the injury personally, and we're not really getting that big of a discount on him. And Mark Andrews has still been limited to practice, so you can't really go there and cash, right? Because there's injury concerns. And then it's like, I'm not paying you know, 4800 or whatever for like Evan Ingram. Like, I'm just going to punt it off, like you said. So I think Musgrave is my favorite. Um, it's too early, I think, to read in a ton to matchups, but Hayden Hurst did just go off for 541 and 1 against the Falcons last week. So, yeah, with the opportunity there, you know, without uh, Watson and potentially Aaron Jones, I prefer Luke Musgrave straight up to Jaden Reed personally, but I think they're both in your player pool. At defense this week, I don't know. Can I just <laughs> say that every week? Yeah, I hate the pricing cuz like the guys the teams I actually want to play are kind of in the low threes, but I always want to go down to like 2,600 if I can. So the names that are the teams that I have in my list here is Tampa. They're 3.2, taking on Chicago. Justin Fields will take sacks. Uh, that's just what he does, right? And then I also have Washington. They're, they're 3.1, taking on Russ and uh, the Broncos. So those are fine. But like I, I wish they were like 2.8, right? Like they feel like they're overpriced, but that's where I lean right now. Tennessee's interesting at 2.4. I know it's the Chargers, but they're at home, and I love the price. Like, that price is great for a team that's at home, like Vrabel. Uh, if you want to punt with the Cardinals, they're not good, but that's something we don't really care. If you want to punt on FanDuel, I like the Texans at 3.4. That's a good price for them in a game that we would say it's basically a pick em. So, Damian Pierce and Houston on FanDuel are really good plays on that site if you want to go there. And then I don't I don't mind Detroit at 3K at home. I think that's a that's a fine fine price for them. So it's kind of like I want to force in players or defenses that are in that 2K range, and there's just not enough great plays this week. So defense isn't going to cost you, right? Like that that that's the main message for sure. This should be the last thing you figure out. You know, don't worry. Like if you can't get up to the Bucks and you have to go down to the the Cardinals, like whatever, just do it, right? Um, I mean, the Giants didn't look great in week one, shall I say? <laughs> and I think the game environment's going to be pretty gross, so they're totally fine. Yeah, I would not stress about this. This is the last piece in your cash lineup. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, Betsy, we got four games that we're going to talk about today, and we're not going to blitzkrieg through them because this is the most important part, but let's do this. Stack attack. All right. First game we're going to talk about Seattle Seahawks at Detroit Lions. If you would have told me two weeks ago about this game, everybody and their mama would have said, hey, guess what? Um, this is the game. To, this is going to be the number one game of the week. This is what we're going to talk about. We know it went for 93 points last year, and it's going to probably happen again. But I have some pretty you know deep convictions about this game and i just think that it's going to go differently so the line is uh 47 is the total the lions are five and a half point home favorites and the seahawks team implying total is just at 21 and more than anything the offensive line is the big deal for the seahawks all right they have major injuries a 45 percent pressure rate last week and then this other thing that i was just looking at was the seahawks are always their defense is always on the field last year most snaps in the league first week of the season against the rams which we did not see coming they were on the field the most snaps in the league almost 40 minutes the rams had the ball so if you know you're in a game where the offense isn't clicking the offensive line is bad and detroit we know what they want to do in the first week they were 27th in pass rate over expectation like dan campbell wants to control the clock there's a reason this game was bet down right yeah, this is the one we talked about Tuesday, and it's like, oh, this looks great. It's at 49 points. Literally, like, the next day, we messaged him, and we were like, ooh, 47 and a half. And then I saw some 47s out there. So we'll see where it actually settles in. But, yeah, like, the fact that, that much movement happened in just 24 hours, and, and obviously now it's Friday, so we've had a few days, does give you some pause. And just thinking about, I mean, team applied totals aren't everything in DFS, but they are something. Just thinking about, like, where the Colts are, you know, valued in the market right now and like where teams like that are at, like the Seahawks are right at the same team implied total. That just feels wrong, doesn't it? But like there's something to it. So yeah, the offensive line's a mess. I mean, 
Both tackles, we know at least one is out. Both tackles are probably going to miss this game. Aiden Hutchinson on the other side, not great. Um, and they just signed 41-year-old former Eagles great, Jason Peters, 41 years old. That is, that is the state of the offensive line. So they're going to have backups in there. And like you said, it was a train wreck last, last week. So I see this game where there is a scenario if Geno bounces back and they can get the ball going, where it does turn into a high-scoring environment. And so because of that reason... I'll have some exposure to this game and game stacks. But at the same time, the field is going to be playing Dave Montgomery. The field is going to be playing Amon Ross St. Brown. Dude, even Josh Reynolds right now in our optimizer, I just looked, is projected for 14%. That feels gross. So if the field is on this and we see paths where it could fail, I'll be underweight this uh, this game game stack. I mean, I'm excited to watch this game. Like, I think oh, that for the sure. Lions... Yeah, you'll see Gibbs unleashed a little bit more, which we love. But here's the thing about the Seahawks. We loved them last year because of their pass rate over expectation, and they ranked fourth on passing on first down. So you got Geno unleashed. But last week they played super slow. They never had the ball. And last year they were 20 or they 20 percent of their snaps were no huddle. Last week, it was at the very bottom of the league. Like let me look up this rate. It was 1.6 percent of their snaps were no huddle. I had no idea why they did that in the second half. They were behind. So there's a lot to not like. Just based on what they did, I think Ken Walker is intriguing for his price, where I think the Seattle pass catchers make more sense in this game if it were to go off. But just think about Ken Walker. So if you were going to stack this game, I'm assuming you're doing it on the Jared Goff side, but you can look up in the optimizer like where he's at in roster percentage. But like, I don't love it that the like everyone knows his home road splits and everyone knows this game from last year. So there's so many reasons for me to not stack Jared Goff in tournaments. Yeah, looking right now, he actually is only coming in at 3.7%, which really is nothing. I mean, it's generally pretty flat at quarterback, right? But that's still uh, extremely low. So I, it's okay. Like, I don't have a strong take either way on it. Gino's sitting at 57 right now for us. So they're not going to be played a ton. And I do think these Seattle guys, after what we saw last week, like, it doesn't feel great, right? But this game is in a dome. It relatively to the slate, it's got a high total. We just talked about it's falling down, but like every other game is at 42 or 40 or 39. So like it's up there. Um, and I don't think the field's going to play DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, JSN. So if you need a contrarian piece on the other side, even if you just wanted to do, you know, a 1v1 or, or a mini stack of like Montgomery and Lockett or uh, Gibbs and Metcalf or whatever, like you can talk me into that for sure. I'm just a little hesitant to go full on game stack here personally. Yeah, uh, the contrarian way would be Geno double stack, bring it back with a simpler piece, like an Amon Ra, yep. and you say that's how this game goes, and the running game isn't as effective, but I think I think that's where this goes. I think the offensive line of the Detroit Lions, what Dan Campbell wants to do, is the lean. So I liked the under when it was at 49, and you know Dan Campbell's actually pretty good against the spread, so that's kind of where I've leaned. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it with Detroit. The offensive line injuries are are massive for this team for Seattle. So give me Detroit minus five and a half. All right. Next game is an AFC North battle that I'm excited because the Bengals have been a team that have kind of been written off that people just like, hey, we saw what we saw. The total's now at 46, which has gone down. I don't love that. Every team total is terrible except for KC and Jacksonville. That's the state of this this slate. Yeah, it's not great. Not great. So Bengals are three and a half point home favorites. They have an implied total of about 25. The Ravens are down at 21. Man, man, like this is not, not good vibes we're getting right now. But I do want to come in here and say that the Bengals passing attack should be different. And I know there's narratives about Joe Burrow, his hands. The rain, he did get a fresh haircut. Oh, so adjust. All of those things. Adjust. We definitely have to adjust. He was also dead last in the league in completion percentage over expectation or under, if you want to look at it. I mean, the dude was behind Ryan Tannehill last week. <laughs> it, it was a train wreck. It was really bad. But the Bengals seem, this is what they seem to do. Every single year, Zach Taylor starts off with whatever he wants to start off with as a game plan. And he just says, screw it. I'm just going to let Joe Burrow cook and do his thing. Against the Ravens, they have been a team historically that they've been able to beat in the pass game. Last year, Baltimore was 27th in pass yards per game allowed, 20th in explosive pass rate, 23rd in EPA per pass attempt. For me, the Bengals passing attack is what makes most sense here. 
and then you can bring it back with the Zay Flowers and just keep it really clean. So I've talked about the Chase splits a lot, but I think T. Higgins is a fine play. Keep in mind, these two players have super negative correlation together. So I personally won't be playing Burrow, Chase, Higgins all together, but I'll figure out combinations. It is weird. I looked up the splits over the last year. So the highest correlation for Jamar Chase was Joe Burrow, which makes a ton of sense. But literally right behind him is Tyler Boyd, who is one of my sneakiest dart throws of the week if you wanted to add him on as kind of a third piece. So that's how I'm attacking this game. Tyler Boyd, huh? I wasn't expecting I just, to come it, on the show and talk it about shocked me. Tyler Boyd today. So you you raise an eyebrow. But yeah, um, I think those guys will catch a little bit of roster percentage. Like right now, Burrow, we've got like 12. Uh, Chase, we talked about he's cash viable, so he'll be popular at 17. But like T. Higgins at 10, I could see that coming down for sure after what happened last week. And we mentioned it on Tuesday's show, but this is a banged up secondary for Baltimore. One of their best safeties is going to be out with a pec injury. That is bad news when you've got Jamar Chase on the other side, especially in a bounce back game. So this kind of feels like maybe not the Tyreek play of last week that we were so confident in, but like I want to have Jamar Chase in my fantasy lineups this weekend. I think he's in for a very big day. And I definitely want to bet, you know, bet on a bounce back spot for the the Bengals here at home after Burrow had one of his worst starts of his career last week. So yeah, give me uh, give me Jamar Chase here. I'm with you. I'll think about Tyler Boyd. I don't know if I can actually click the button. Yeah, I'm saying in a large field, he needs to be added in your player pool if you're doing a double stack. He doesn't need to be ignored, okay? Um, The Baltimore side, the new look offense we saw was about 50% of their snaps involved three or more wide receivers. We love that. They used a weird 22 personnel, which is two running backs. um, Or 22 is what they used a lot last year. They used 20 personnel, which is three wide receivers and two running backs. Like, to put this in perspective, 32 of their snaps involved this, three wide receivers and two running backs. The rest of the NFL did it a combined three times in week one. So it's a different look, but it's three wide receivers, and that's all we care about. OBJ led them in routes. Zay Flowers was killing it, basically 50% of the targets. I don't know why his roster percentage is so low. That makes no sense to me. I think he makes a ton of sense at 5K. And then Rashad Bateman was way behind in routes run. I think he's going to be a more fun play in like two to three weeks. When yeah, he's back a little bit further. I was going to say, yeah, part of that, I think, is the injury. They've got a plan to ramp him up a little bit. So I think it's fine to include him in this game stack for some large field stuff. But the projection isn't awesome. I- I'm with you, though, man. Zay Flowers, like, it might change if Andrews is rolled out. But if Andrews is in, I actually like that for Zay Flowers at 5K. He is an awesome direct line pivot to Puka Nakua, who's at 4,900, who's in our cash pool. Um, if you're stacking up Lamar... I love Zay. If you're stacking up Joe Burrow, uh, Zay Flowers is my preferred bring back on the other side. I do want to speak to the running back situation because I love when the field tries to figure out who it's going to be in this RB backup running back spot with J.K. Dobbins out. We have a pretty big sample of Justice Hill not being great at football, and I hope people flock to him. (laughs) I really, truly do, or Gus Edwards or whoever it is. I think this is a chance that we see this pass rate that we were looking at all summer actually you know come to fruition with the running back situation the way it is so i want to be betting on that before i really see it and please let's get zay flowers some targets more than 2.3 yards down the field i mean he can do cool stuff with it if you are stacking lamar jackson we recommend usually a skinny stack so lamar zay flowers lamar and andrews if he plays but i do love t higgins as like a leverage piece on jamar chase this week if you want to do that if you're like hey i'm going to stack the baltimore side and i'm bringing it back with t higgins I mean, we've seen T. Higgins have monster games. A couple years ago, remember, he had a game where he went for 194-2 and two against these Ravens. I, I feel like that was a T week because we've been T. Higgins guys historically on this podcast. And even as I'm saying this, I just got a trade offer in my home league bets. <laughs> Breaking news. It, it, it Well, it's big news for us because someone, my Mark Andrews, someone offered me T. Higgins. And I was like, oh, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, it feels like too early to pull the plug on on Andrews. I have Hunter Henry. Oh, the GOAT. You mean the best yeah. round 18 best ball pick that existed this year? Yeah, no, we might have talked about it on this podcast. I just, it, I hate that I have to even think about that because that's where we're at right now. On Mark yeah, Andrews. That's gross. Do you think he plays this game? I think it's closer to 50-50 than people think. 
I'm not sure how healthy he is. He hasn't had a full practice yet this week. And I mean, that could change today on Friday by the time you listen, but it's been limited. And of course, he was limited all last week. And so even if he's out there, is he 100%? I'm not sure he is. All right. Give me your Vegas pick in this game. I am going to take... You sound so confident. I'm going to take the under. I think that's the right play. Um, Man, I, I was going to come in here and just say I think the Bengals can roll, but I think the Baltimore defense is good. I'll take Baltimore plus three and a half. Why not? Anything, anything more than a field goal probably makes sense. Yep. All right. Next game. I think we'll hit this one pretty quickly. Las Vegas Raiders at the Buffalo Bills. The total I'm seeing is 46 and a half, and the Bills are eight and a half point home favorites. Explain to me how the Buffalo Bills are 0 and 1, and the Las Vegas Raiders are 1 and 0. I looked at some of my uh, season long, you know, win totals. I was like, oh, I took the Raiders under. That felt great. Dang it. They already have one win. <laughs> I know. What the heck happened? Um, thanks a lot, Russ. Um, dude, Jimmy G just wins, man. That's what he does. He he was actually pretty good on a lot of different expected points models. Like he looked, he did fine. In this game, it's easy to me. Like I'm not thinking about Jimmy G. I never think about Jimmy G despite his price tag. But Josh Allen stacking him. I think you can double stack him easily because Kincaid is so cheap or Dawson Knox. You can do that easily. And then you just say, am I bringing Diggs along with him? And then figure out who you want on the Raiders side. Is it going to be Josh Jacobs? Or is it going to be Devontae Adams? Okay, so I like Jacobs a lot this week. I mentioned him earlier. I think he's a fine bring back. But yeah, I think it's pretty clean. Yeah, and Adams, remember he was out uh, Wednesday's practice. He came out and said, look, it's I'm fine. It was just kind of maintenance stuff. He was back on Thursday. So I think Adams should be fine. He should be good to go. Jacoby Myers, not sure yet. Still in concussion protocol. Uh, if Jacoby's out, this becomes a very clear, like you said, Jacobs or Devontae Adams situation. I, I'm with you. I don't really want to play a Raiders stack. I do want to play some some Josh Allen stacks. And so, yes, if I am stacking up Josh Allen, those are the two guys I'm looking at as bring back options on the other side. We talked about it already with the expected fantasy points model uh, from Marvin. I kind of want to play Josh Jacobs, man. The, the spread opened at nine and a half has since been bet down. Last I saw it at eight and a half. I saw eight in a couple spots. So like money's coming in on the Raiders. I mean, Jimmy G's the goat. So why would you not? Uh, money's coming in on the Raiders. If this game does stay closer than the Vegas spread uh, says it will, I think Josh Jacobs is actually a very sneaky uh, tournament play. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if this game comes in under Kansas City, Jacksonville, just in terms of popularity, and you know Allen can hit any ceiling he wants. Gabe Davis, I get he's a dirty word. People don't want to play him, but Las Vegas historically has been a team that you can have big plays on, so that's why you play him. Dalton Kincaid was out in the field a ton. Dawson Knox was out in the field on Sunday, 39 and 38 routes between the two. This team is no longer the 11 personnel, like poster child for the league. Like it was the Rams and the Bills, it's the two teams. Last week, 57% of their sets had two tight ends on the field. So we might be talking about Dalton Kincaid a little bit later when we get to prop it like it's hot. I just think he's an easy, cheap, you know, if you're going to add a tight end on your stack, like that's what you do with the quarterback. It's just sim- super simple. Their correlation is really, really simple. And then James Cook, I just want to throw this out there. He dominated the work, but I hate stacking him with Josh Allen. It just never really works. And the correlation of the last three or four years has been you pick the game where you get the right Devin Singletary game, but they usually never go together. So that's that's kind of how I'm handling it. Like, if you want to play James Cook and Devontae Adams as a mini correlation, cool with that. But it's a Josh Allen double stack with Josh Jacobs is my favorite so far. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that we might get James Cook as like a contrarian tournament play because he's explosive. He's sort of in no man's land from pricing where it's like, ah, he's a little more expensive, you know, than Montgomery and Rashad White. So it doesn't feel as good. Maybe I'll just drop down to those guys. I thought I might get lost in the shuffle. Right now I'm seeing like 15, 16%. That could change come Sunday, but like, I don't want to play James Cook at 16%, especially if he's still losing goal line work to Josh Allen and Damian Harris. And I don't know why, but in the two minute drill, <laughs> Latavius Murray was on the field okay so uh, it's it's one of those that I think the field is more excited about than maybe the numbers say we should be but he's good he's explosive I totally get it yeah I mean the Bills the Bills defense like they played fine they played they played fine against the Jets but historically they've also given up games on the ground 
And, you know, you saw Brees Hall cut them up. They Like, it can still happen. So I love Josh Jacobs in this game. He's probably one of my favorite plays. Give me your Vegas pick. I am going to... I'm going to lay it with the Bills, which feels like the wrong side, but I just see a big game coming for Josh Allen here. Yeah, I I don't know if I... So their team implied totals at 27.5. That's probably one of the, my favorite parts. Like, I think they can hit that. So whatever way you want to express that in betting or whatever, like it's more of my confidence to say I'm betting on the Bills to get three or four touchdowns in this game. All right, last game we're going to talk about. It's the biggest one of the week. Kansas City Chiefs at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Our only game over 50. It's at 51. And the Chiefs are three and a half point road favorites. Did this line surprise you at all? Or does it say, hey, Kelsey's playing? Yeah, this one opened at three early in the week. It's been moving since we got some positive Kelsey news. So it, it makes sense. Um, but we know historically the Chiefs over the last couple of years have been horrible against the spread. So I think anything more than a field goal, like I feel better about the Jacksonville side. I think they keep it close. Uh, we talked about Calvin Ridley. I think he's great. I'm interested to get your take on Travis Etienne because I feel like he could fall through the cracks here a little bit. And his usage last week was absolutely insane. I'm very, very into Travis Etienne this week as part of this game stack. Yeah, 80% of the snaps, a career high 15.6% target share. Like that was our biggest bugaboo over the offseason. It was like, why are they not throwing in the ball? Why does Trevor Lawrence never throw the ball to the running back position? So I, I described him in pace of play as a wipeout pick in the sense of if you're going to play him, then you're going to gain a ton of leverage on Jacksonville pass catching stacks and kind of wipe them off the board. So if you wanted to just go Mahomes, Kelsey, ETN, that's fine. I I, I think you're going to need a wide receiver because they're cheap, but I could not tell you who it is right now on, on the Chiefs side. But I think that's my favorite way to do this. And Bigsby got some goal line work. He also fumbled, but ETN's only 6,900. That is way too cheap for his involvement. So I like him a lot. He's in my GPP pool. I don't think I would play him in cash though. Agreed. Yeah. And right now we have him in the optimizer at 10%. That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. But Jacksonville is their passing attack is kind of what we're going to lean into. And we've seen over the last two years, like when they play Kansas City, they up their neutral pass rate. And that's kind of like what teams do in general, right? If you're going to play against Patrick Mahomes, you need to up your pass rate unless you're the Lions and you just, I don't know, control the clock because the Chiefs fart around a bunch. So what is your preferred stacking strategy with Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, this is entering like a a strict rule for me where it's like if I'm playing Lawrence, <laughs> I don't know how you stack him without Calvin Ridley, just given how much volume we saw go his way, how many first read targets he got. I don't think that's going anywhere. So I will not be doing any sneaky like Lawrence, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram stacks this week. If I'm playing a Lawrence stack, it's with Ridley. And then I want to pick a second option. Man, I, I'm stuck because... I think Zay Jones, the numbers say he's a better play. 94% of the routes, seven targets. That was a 23% share. And that catch was pretty awesome in the, in the end zone. Like, I think he's a good player. But Christian Kirk had an awesome year last year, right? Like, I don't think he's just all of a sudden going to vanish into thin air. And I feel somewhat confident the field is not going to play Christian Kirk whatsoever. Am I wrong for wanting to go back to Christian Kirk as a contrarian play? No, no, no. I think you're handling this the right way. Like, Instead of getting cute in two places, like, oh, I'm going to play Kirk and Jones or Kirk and Ingram. It's like, take the thing that is most clear from in terms of usage and just say Lawrence Ridley. And then, you know what? Sprinkle in a couple different lineups that said one's with Kirk, one's with Jones, and one's with Ingram. Remember last year, there was a week that we highlighted, we highlighted over the summer. It's like, what you needed was Evan Ingram as the third piece. And a lot of times people just say, I'm going to pick two or I'm going to get super cute and pick two different players. Like, no, you can stay with Ridley and then bring in someone like Evan Ingram, who still was in on 89% of the route. So I, I don't mind Ingram. I don't mind any of these guys. You could convince me of double stacking any of these dudes. I do want to throw out a take, and this is more vibes. So you can just tell me I'm an idiot. Fun. Love the vibes. I feel like this could be a Jarek McKinnon game. Oh, gross. I don't like that. <laughs> I know you didn't like that because Clyde got the... Hey, we, we, we're really proud of you for making the team. We'll give you the first carry and then <laughs> nothing. So I don't really worry about Clyde too much. 18th round pick and best ball. Why not? Um, I don't ever want to play Isaiah Pacheco, just to be honest. He's a try hard. That's not my type. <laughs> so so I, I think McKinnon is an interesting 
stacking partner because I think he's actually the best wide receiver apart from Kelsey on this team. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I can't get behind it, truthfully. Like, I get the contrarian nature of it. I don't need your support, sir. But the dude played 31% of the snaps last week. Like, how, how much is he actually going to be utilized? Like, you're banking on eight touches, nine touches, and that historically does not work. Oh, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I, I'm not there. So, in terms of the wide receivers, I think that I, there's, I'm only be able to get it wrong. I think that I have a better chance of guessing him getting five to six targets out of the backfield at 4,600, which is super cheap for a running back. So I'm not in a large field. This is all I'm saying. Okay. Like that. If I get it right, let's do a victory lap. If not, we'll never talk about it again. You know, what's going to happen is McKinnon's going to have two targets, two carries, and one of those is going to be a screen pass. And he just takes it like 47 yards of the house. And you're going to be like, see, dude, I told you, I told you he was a good play this week. I'm going to say, Betts, were you listening? Were you listening to this <laughs> podcast? Were you listening to me? I was not. Um, the GPS score, which is what we have in my pace of play article, the game pace score is four and a half. So it's far and away the best game. And you could stack both sides. I think that's part of the key is for me, There, you know, it's one thing when I look at the Bills and I go, okay, well, the Bills, they make a lot of sense. Their team implied total. And then I look at the Raiders like, well, the Raiders could actually slow it down if they wanted to. It could go like... These two teams are going to put their foot on their gas, both of them. And that's what we really like. So I think this is the game. If you get it right, you could get the slate right. Would you say, like, let's say that you are going for, you know, what I usually tell people is I whittle down my GPP plays to about three or four quarterbacks, just saying, that's how I'm going to stack this week. Is it going to be Mahomes, Lawrence, Josh Allen, and then one other dude that you go all in on, is that like, is it, you can't X out either of these quarterbacks, can you? No, I'm going to play both of them. I'll have some exposure. Uh, I haven't thought about the rest of the the quarterback pool. I, I mean, we're not going to talk about the game, but I kind of like Justin Herbert this week, right? We just saw like a huge, oh, you don't have to convince oh, me. we'll lose more money, baby. I'm ready. Uh, we just saw a huge run focus scheme. Tennessee's very good against the run. They're leaking the secondary. They're actually dealing with a couple of secondary injuries too uh keenan allen got tackled at the one yard line so i mean hey he's coming back um so i'm i'm kind of into that as a contrarian play but yes i will have exposure to both of these guys in this game and look it's frustrating but that's what makes these mahomes stacks so uh i think interesting for tournaments is because people don't know and so you get frozen but like these guys are so cheap i mean no one is above 5k besides kelsey so if you want a contrarian option that's cheap that's going to save you money you will find it in this game we don't know who it's going to be. I would like to continue to bet against Sky Moore. I mean, how many times do we have to, to do the Sky Moore thing, right? Um, and they said openly, like Andy Reid said, look, Kadarius Tony needs to be on the field to to be a better player, straight up. I don't know if he's 100% yet. Did he say I know that he a straight reps. face? Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, we believe in him as he's laughing. Um, but he's 4,600. And after what everyone just saw on national TV, like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of back in. <laughs> Oh man, I did not expect that. That's where you were gonna land. So hold, so, on, let me, hold on, before we move on, let me see where he is in our uh, in our optimizer frost percentage. We should do Please a uh, a Jerick McKinnon Kadarius Tony water bet. Oh, I'm in. You're in. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Point zero eight three percent. It's probably the optimizer being really generous. Like it feels all the vibes of Twitter, and it's like, yep. oh gosh, people hate this guy. All right, Jerick McKinnon. Kadarius Tony, same exact price, by the way, 4,600 on DK. What could go wrong? I will take the Jaguars plus three and a half. Yep. More than a field goal. I will also take Jacksonville. All right. One more segment. Prop it like it's hot. Every week, Betts and I get to give a prop that we think could be helpful. The lines will probably move because that's what they do sometimes. But in the DFS Pats, we have props that we add throughout the week. I, I think people don't realize how the props markets work. They don't all come out on Wednesdays. So Betts will start an article. We'll slowly add to them. I threw in a Zach Wilson one. Um, and then we just add throughout the week. Last week, we had a great week. We were five and three. We were up 2.83 units, something like that. So uh, three, eight. Um, dang. Okay. Shit, I need to get that right. 2.38. So it was a profitable week. That's all we care about. 
bets hit me with another Josh Dobbs bet. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Kyle? Because <laughs> you just keep dunking on the guy. Yeah, look, the line, the market hasn't corrected enough. Uh, he's won 89.5 on FanDuel for his passing yardage prop. Last week it was set at 210. That's uh, and a half. Uh, yeah, it closed at 195 and a half. So they're telling us that what they just saw last week, they're only going to move it a handful of yards. Give me the under again. Um, look, man, it's Josh Jobs. 4.4 YPA last week was horrendous. Arizona had just 13 first downs. That was 31st in the league last week. And both these teams, the Giants and the Cardinals, bottom 10 in neutral pass rate and very slow from a pace of play perspective. So you have play volume concerns. You have a lack of talent concerns. The offensive line's a mess. Um, yeah, give me the under here. <laughs> I was just thinking about Josh Dobbs. Like The guy's bringing home a paycheck, right? Like a good paycheck, better than us. More than you and you me. Know? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, these little chumps are just betting against me. <laughs> because yes, his YPA was terrible. He uh, said, hey, you know what, Zach Ertz, I want to give you 10 targets. I am so tilted about the Zach Ertz thing, dude. We had an under on him, in not on this show, but in the props uh, in DFS Pass. The dude literally cleared it by like two yards. Took him six catches to do it. I was so mad. First game off the ACL, and, and Zach Ertz was like the first read on every single play. What are they doing? They're supposed to be losing. Where is Trey McBride? I think Josh Dobbs, what he did is he read the article, DFS past subscriber, Josh Dobbs. Obviously. And and he saw the prop that you had against him. And he's like, I don't know if I can hit that, but I will make sure that they pay for that Zach Ertz <laughs> thing and feed this man 10 targets. That's uh, uh, Speaking Brooklyn, of tight ends. Before we move on from that, I, what's, what's your panic alarm on like Trey McBride ever being a thing? If he can't beat Zach Ertz onto the field off of a torn ACL at soon to be 33 years old, is it ever going to happen? I think it's going to level out, but I also think Jonathan Gannon's dumb. So it's like Zach Ertz is going to fade. That dude, there's no chance that that guy is running any routes in the second half of the year. <laughs> he's just going to be done. His wife retired. He's going to retire midseason. He'd be like, you know what? My wife, she's just chilling at home. Julie Ertz, I'm just going to hang out. Um, Yeah, he's done. Dalton Kincaid, rookie tight end. I'm going to give you an over. How, how do you feel about that already? Uh, disgusting. Can you look up this line? Because I just want to see if it moved. Because, you know, I threw down a so much. I mean, just gobs of money on Dalton Kincaid's over at 29 and a half receiving yards. Okay. 29 and a half. I should have just said, like, it's at, I put it at 24 and a half and I moved the line this much. But no, uh, 29 and a half receiving yards. It was on underdog earlier. Buffalo had a huge change in their personnel rate. I mentioned this earlier. Last year, 68% of their snaps was three wide receiver. In week one, it was down to 25%. 57% of their sets had two tight ends in the field. It was Dawson Knox. It was Dalton Kincaid, and Kincaid ran a ton of routes. Last week, Denver tight ends caught seven balls. And this Raiders defense stinks. Last year, it was 31st in expected points per pass attempt. Tell me the line moved. You got the drop? Oh, baby. Moving the lines. Huge movement in the market. 30 and a half receiving yards. That for Mr. is Kincaid. what I'm talking about. Man, <laughs> that is. It is funny when you look at yardage markets and some of them are just so minute, like, you know, you know, rushing yards, like 10 and a half for a quarterback or are they nine and a half. Right. And yeah, I mean, I, I hopefully, hopefully he gets some more down the field routes because that's what he's good at, right? Like down the seam stuff at Utah. That's what he was actually doing. Dude good. had six actually, air yards in week one, six total. <laughs> okay, so what was their game plan? I know we're about to end the show, but what was their game plan against the Jets in the second half? Just to like shoot themselves in the foot? I mean, Josh Allen just like blacked out. I don't know, man. He just was like throwing in double coverage and trying to hurdle dudes when he was like seven yards from the first down marker. I But then you see Steph Diggs, he went over to him, he looked him in his face, got really close. He's like, throw me the football. And they moved the ball beautifully <laughs> in the last couple of minutes there. So, yeah, we'll see a lot of Steph Diggs this week, I think. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully hopefully we do. If you want to play with us, go to ballersdfs.com. What a website. Go to our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg Plus Bets. Join the league. And then what's most important, you can't just join the league. That doesn't enter you into a contest. Getting in the league is free. And then you have a menu of different options to look at, including big contests and ones that bets will open up throughout the weekend that you guys can just join in. Some cash ones, some GPP ones. 
My favorite thing about these contests is that people for the first time say, hey, I get to play with people that I like and I might actually win. Like we had someone said like, hey, I've never really won this much money before. What do I do? We told them to donate it to us and they said no. So yeah, it, it, find some friends, play some, play with some people. BallersDFS.com if you want to play with us. That'll do it for this episode. Tell everyone bye. Yes, we'll see you in those contests that Kyle was talking about. Get up in the DFS pass. Like we said, tons of moving parts on this slate. We'll have everything updated for you ahead of block on Sunday. Good luck to all of you. Someone win the Millie, please, for us. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Embedding Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.